Thank you. May be seated this morning, and uh, welcome to Hallmark. My name is uh, John, and I am blessed to be the pastor here at Hallmark. And I want to invite you, as Ben has already invited you to, and uh, maybe you're a guest with us. Maybe you've been a few times. To, we'll have a quick lunch afterwards in FC 104. If you don't know where that is, I'll be glad to show you. As soon as the church is over, I'll be in the atrium, and I have an opportunity to meet you. and And we'd love to to get to know you a little better, and let you get to know us a little better. And uh, I would encourage you, this, this may, if you're kind of new to this, to, to Hallmark, this may strike you as odd, but I want to encourage those of you who have your phone or your iPad to get out and uh, go ahead and share uh, Hallmark's live event. So we're on uh, Facebook Live right now, and uh, for you to do that is just an opportunity uh, really to invite someone to church. And also someone, who, who knows who might, uh, where they might be, and uh, what this God's Word might speak into their life today by listening to this. I got a message this week uh, from some friends of mine, uh, and I, I won't mention their name, but many of you will know who they are, but some friends of mine who live in, in uh, China. And uh, they, they were telling me that they enjoyed watching uh, our messages online, and uh, they had asked their, their youngest child if he, who he wanted to listen to this Sunday. And uh, they're, you know, maybe is it Matt Chandler or Louis Giglio, I think is the first two names he mentioned. I'm impressed that he knows who Louis Giglio is. How many of you know who Louis Giglio is? All right, so not, anyways. Uh, and, and then he said, wait, 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 no, I want to listen to PJ. And he calls me PJ because when I was in their house in China, you know, and we walk around the city. Pastor's not something you want to say over there. And so he came up with the nickname PJ for Pastor John. All right? So I love technology. That There's people uh, in China right now going to be tuning in and watching what God is doing here at Hallmark. And uh, so that's one of the reasons we ask you to, to share that. We're going to continue our series in Psalms. So I encourage you to turn to Psalm 63. Uh, as I appreciate Tammy read that passage for us, and turn there, and then hold your spot, and turn back over to 2 Samuel, all right? So turn to Psalm 63, hold your spot there, we'll get to there in a minute, and then turn to 2 Samuel chapter 12. And so a few weeks ago, we talked about um, forgiveness, and we read Psalms chapter 51. And if you have read Psalms 51, or, and uh, you're familiar, that's the, the, really a psalm of repentance, and so David was repenting of his sin. He was repenting of a particular sin, uh, really two big sins, in our, what we would call big sins of adultery and murder, right? Those are pretty big sins, right? And so murder and adultery. And so Psalms 51 is his confession of his sin and repentance. And remember what we talked about. I'm, uh, I want to read it for you again. And I would encourage you to get your bulletin out, take some notes, these are not in your bulletin, so you might want to write these down real quick, or maybe if you're on the YouVersion Bible app, our notes are on there as well. When we talk about repentance and, and what David did and how David repented, this really, I read this a few years ago, and really stuck in my head, is that remorse is me-centered. A lot of us feel bad about things we've done, mainly because we got caught, right? Or mainly because there's going to be consequences for what we did. And so remorse is me-centered. Repentance, however, is God-centered. And in Psalms 51, David's prayer of repentance was God-centered. Not once did he ask, God, restore my kingdom. God, restore my reputation. 
God restored my wealth and my power and all those things that he could have lost because he had an affair with someone and then he murdered someone in his own army to cover up his affair. What did, what did David ask for? God, return to me the joy of my salvation. Return to me the joy of our relationship. Lord, return your spirit back to me. And so remorse is me-centered, repentance is God-centered. And, and after he prayed, we, ta- we talked about a few things. Uh, David prayed in his brokenness. And brokenness, listen, this is really important, brokenness leads to forgiveness. Until you're broken for your sin, you're never going to repent of your sin. You may be sorry for your sin, but until you're broken, that you have, so- that you have sinned before God, that's what David said, against you, God, have I sinned, and you only. So brokenness leads to forgiveness, and then once we get to forgiveness, forgiveness leads to restoration, that God will restore me. And restoration then leads to usefulness, that now God's going to use me. And, and if you were in one of the connect groups today, we heard a story of brokenness, forgiveness, restoration, and now usefulness. And God wants to reproduce that in every one of you today. But in order for you to get to that point of repentance and then forgiveness and then restoration and then usefulness, is you've got to be broken, broken of your sins. And we realize that God restored him and God forgave him and God used him, but here's an important thing also to understand just because we repent of our sins and God forgives and restores and uses us, not always do the consequences of sin leave us. There's consequences in sin. And we may have forgiveness, God may still punish us. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. So in 2 Samuel chapter number 12, Remember, David had hidden his sin for probably a year or so, is what most historians say. And the prophet Nathan came to him and, 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 and acknowledged to David. David realized, oh, I'm not the only one that knows this. The prophet Nathan knows, and therefore God knows. And, and Nathan told him something. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 11. So Nathan had just told David, you're not going to die because of your sin. God is not going to destroy you. But there are going to be some consequences for your sin. Verse uh, number 10. Now therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me. You have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house. So do you see what, what the prophet Nathan has told David? God's going to forgive you. God's going to restore you. God's going to use you. But there's consequences to your sin. And specifically, he, he, he names here that there's going to be an adversary that raises up within your own house. And, and he goes on to say, what you've done in secret, I'm going to reveal in to the world. And the world is going to see the consequences of your sin. The world is going to see the actions, what, what have come about because of your sin. All right, now, turn me to Psalms chapter 63. Okay, Psalms chapter 63. So 2 Samuel chapter 12 kind of gives you the foreshadowing of what's taking place in Psalms chapter 63. So in Psalm 63, David is writing this, most historians would say, from the wilderness. And most say that it was probably during the time period when Absalom, his son, had run his own dad, King David, out of the kingdom. 
Remember, if you know the story, uh, Absalom had really basically a coup, right? And he got people to go against his own father, King David. Doesn't this sound exactly like what Nathan said was going to happen? That God was going to raise someone with his own family, an adversary that was going to overthrow him. And so David, late in his life, everything is great. And now his son overthrows his kingdom. And while David finds himself similar to the way he was when he was a 20-year-old running from King Saul, he's in the wilderness, he's hiding, afraid for his life, and his own son now is the one who's after him. His own son is the one that wants to destroy him and kill him. And so I don't know what the top of your uh, Psalm 63 says, but mine just gives a little description. A Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. So David being in the wilderness, running from his life, his son is trying to kill him. So the question I really want to think about this morning is, is how should we respond to God when we're in the wilderness? Have you ever been in the wilderness? Okay, let's think about it. Let's put some, some, some ideas behind this or some meat behind what does it mean to be in the wilderness? When I think of being in the wilderness, I think of Moses, right? Moses spent 40 40 years with the nation of Israel, wandering through the wilderness, and everything seemed to go wrong, right? There was nothing good about it, it didn't seem like. I think of, of David here in the wilderness, and he's running for his life. He's far from what he knows. And, and, but what is the wilderness? What, what could that mean for us today? Maybe this morning you, you feel all alone, like nobody understands. You're in this crowd of people but nobody really knows. Maybe, maybe the thought is that no one really cares. Maybe for you, the wilderness this morning, is life is just, you know, last week I asked you the question, you know, we just kind of asked, how many of you feel like, like life is just beating you up right now? And, I, you know, I seem like 40 to 50% of the audience, raised, you raised your hand. And whatever it is that you raised your hand about, to me, that would signify... You're in the wilderness. Maybe, you're, maybe your kids are, are, are struggle. We, we'll just put it that way, right? They're running from God. And you're in the wilderness. Maybe your marriage feels like you're in the wilderness. Maybe debt is piling up and you're in the wilderness. Maybe this morning it's health. Maybe there's been death in your family. Do we understand what a wilderness is now? And in the wilderness, I think we have oftentimes have the time to begin to question and doubt who God is. Have you ever, listen, we need to be honest, right? We're in church. How many of you have ever doubted God when you were in the wilderness? Put your hand up. Okay? Almost all of us. It's kind of natural, isn't it? It's kind of a normal thing to do. What, what is David going to do in the wilderness? He's at the end of his life. Everything he had lived for that he thought was going to happen now is, is not happening. How is he going to respond? So here's kind of the, the big idea this morning of this wilderness. When you find it yourself in the wilderness, worship. You probably ought to write that down. When you find yourself in the wilderness, 
worship. You see, David didn't look back and regret the mistakes he made as a father, which he could have. He didn't look around in fear because the armies were closing in. He didn't look down and complain about the circumstances that he found himself now in. But what did David do? David looked up and he worshipped his Lord and Savior. Think about that. He didn't look back and have regret. He didn't look around in fear of all the circumstances. He didn't look down like, oh, poor me. God's not fair. He looked up and he worshipped. Let's look at this. Psalm chapter 63. We're going to look at the first two verses. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I've looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. When you're in the wilderness and we're going to worship, the first thing we need to do is, number one, is we need to seek God. We need to seek God. We need to pursue God early. And this is not just talking about early in the morning. Because some of you in here, early in the morning is like, that's not you and God time, right? Because there is like, don't talk to me time. How many of you have people in your family that you just know it's best not to have any conversation with them before at least the third cup of coffee? All right? I, I am a stubborn not real wise person at times, and uh, my, my daughter was that type of person. And, you know, honestly, I've already had my three cups of coffee by the time I would wake her up growing up, and I'm, man, God is good, life is good, and she should feel that way, right? Not happening. Not happening. This is not just talking about early in the morning. What, what it's really signifying here is that I'm going to earnestly seek God. I'm going to pursue him above everything else. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to think about what does God want me to do today? How am I going to pursue God today? And, and I'm, the, the, the truth is, the reality is for most of us, when we get up, we have so many other things that we're pursuing. We have so many other things that we're seeking after. And the first priority, the first thing that we need to seek is God, our Lord and Savior. Even, maybe I should say especially when we're in the wilderness. David sought after God. Jeremiah 29, you can turn there with me if you want. Uh, it'll be on the screen this morning, but Jeremiah chapter 29. Most of us know verse 11. 29 and 11, Jeremiah. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. I love verse 13, Psalms, or excuse me, Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Do we seek God with all our heart? In the wilderness, I mean, the, the rest of that verse, look, look at the rest of verse, uh, of verse 1 there in chapter 63, Psalm 63. He's, he, he's talking about early or earnestly, I'm going to pursue you, God. I'm going to seek you. And, and look at the imagery he's trying to get. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. It's this understanding, this idea of I am desperate to know who God is. I'm desperate to seek God. I'm desperate to be in the presence of God. I'm desperate to have fellowship with God. And can I be completely honest with you? I think most of us don't live our life like that. Most of us are not desperate to, for God unless we are desperate for God. And I want to live my life that I will be desperate for God even though life, in life, I'm not desperate. Seek God earnestly, early, 
will I seek you. Let's keep reading. Verse number three. Because your loving kindness is better than life. Isn't that a great statement? Because God, your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with morrow and fatness. And my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. Number two on your outline when we're in the wilderness. How can we worship? We want to seek God. Number two, we want to praise God. Because your loving kindness is better than life. You, you see that statement there is not dependent on any kind, not dependent on circumstances. The, the statement in Psalm 63 3 does not say, God, I will praise you because your loving kindness gives me a better life. He says, I will praise you because your loving kindness is better than life. The, listen this morning, if you in the wilderness, we have a tendency, I think, sometimes to doubt. God, I think we have a tendency to doubt that God loves us, that God cares for us, that God knows. And can I just, when you are in the wilderness, can you, there's a great verse for you to memorize, and probably most of you haven't memorized already. John 3, 16. For God so what? Loves. God so loved you that he gave his only son. Should I ever doubt that God loves me? No. Romans says that you demonstrate your love toward us. You expressed your love toward us. That while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. Amen. Think about that for a moment. God did not wait for you to clean yourself up so that he could love you. He loved you so that he could clean you up. And David is saying, look, I know my life is in a mess right now, and I know that my life is in danger right now, and I know I'm in the wilderness right now, but God, I choose to praise you because your loving kindness is better than any kind of circumstances I find myself in. That I can rest in the fact that God loves me no matter what my circumstances are. That I can rest in the fact that God sent his son Jesus to die in my place so that I could have a relationship with God, my creator. That changes everything, doesn't it? So my temporary circumstances here on earth, they're just that. They're temporary. That if I have received God's love in my life, then I'm going to spend eternity with God. And I will again get to express, God, your loving kindness is better than life. Here's maybe a tough truth this morning. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, You've never received his loving kindness, then this statement doesn't really mean much to you. I'm thankful that when I was 17 years old in Brownwood, Texas, I finally surrendered my pride and said, God, I surrender my life to Jesus. I'm placing my faith in Jesus for my salvation, for my hope in heaven. And for eternal life. And that, at that moment, his loving kindness was greater than life. How many of you have a moment like that? 
Just put your hand up. How many of you have a moment like that? And you, like David, can say, God, your loving kindness, no matter the circumstances, God, your loving kindness, no matter the circumstances, God, your loving kindness is better than life. This morning, some of you were not able to raise your hand. This, this is good news, though, that you're here today. Because I'm going to tell you how you can experience the loving kindness of God. Listen, I grew up in church my entire life, and it took me until I was 17 years old. I may have said already that I'm a, a little stubborn. It took me until I was 17 years old to finally admit and finally to realize that I cannot be good enough. And that was definitely the truth. I could not be good enough to get to God. And here's the truth. No one in this room can be good enough to get to God. Amen. None of you will be good enough. You cannot come to church enough. You cannot put enough money in the offering. I mean, you can keep doing that, but that's not going to get you to God. Your money is not getting you to God. Your attendance here or anywhere is not getting you to God. Everyone in the room at some point in your life, you need to make a decision. Humble yourself and say, God, I need you. I need forgiveness. And some of you this morning, as I asked, did you have a moment like that and you couldn't raise your hand? Maybe today, maybe right now, this could be your moment. And I'm going to tell you how to do it right now. If you've never given your life to Christ, you've never experienced the loving kindness of God, and you never acknowledged that you're a sinner and you need forgiveness, and there's no way you can get to God except through the blood of Jesus Christ, you can do that right now. Are you guys ready for that? Right now, and this is what you need to do. You need to, you need to pray to God. And I'm going to give you an example. You can do it right now. We're not even going to close our eyes. Well, we're blowing people's minds this morning, right? We're not even going to close our eyes. But right now, in this moment, maybe God is telling you, this is what Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. And and maybe today, right now, this is your moment. And, And this is what you need to say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus died for me. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I place my trust and my faith in the name of Jesus. Come into my life and save me right now. And I want to challenge you this morning, if if that was your moment, here in a few moments, we're going to pray and we're going to have a time of worship. And I'm going to be right down here. There's going to be others right down here this morning. If you prayed that prayer this morning, I'm going to ask you just to walk forward. Tell me about it. Tell someone about it. We would love to share with you a little more about how you can know that you have eternal life. For those of us who have that moment already, can we just say, can we acknowledge that God's loving kindness is better than life? Can you say amen to that? God's loving kindness is better than life. And let's focus on his loving kindness, not our own life that we've made a mess of. Right? Get our eyes off of us and our mess. And let's put them on God. Seek God. Praise God. The the third one there. Let's continue reading. Verse number 6. When I remember, maybe you ought to circle that word. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches, because you have been with you have been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you. 
my right hand, and your right hand upholds me. The key word there, number, verse, or number three, remember God. We want to see God, we want to praise God, we remember God. I love what it says here. I'm going to remember you, I'm going to meditate on you, verse seven, why? Because you have been my help. David, his entire life, as he looks back, now as an older man, and he remembers the faithfulness of God. About six weeks ago, I, I was, uh, we were talking about financial fitness, and I, I challenge you to ask some of the older people in our, in our uh, uh, church here about God's faithfulness. And I, and I told you, I promise you, if you talk to them, they're going to say God is good and God is faithful. Amen. And, if you haven't, and if you haven't asked one of them yet, ask them. But that Sunday when I talked about that, I remember I said, maybe some of you, that, that's your story, and maybe you should come down this morning and just, and just thank the Lord for his faithfulness all these years. And, and, and what, it was an amazing, you know, you, you ever had those moments where like everything, there's like, like, like today maybe, there's this big crowd, but you can isolate an image and think that was, that was the moment. For some of you today, it, it may be in the moment you gave your life to Christ. For me that day, it was the moment I looked over it and I saw uh, Pansy, Weesey, and Elaine Lindsay walking down and praying. And, I, and I, my exact thought at the moment was, they are thanking God for his faithfulness. And, and I asked for permission to, to share this story. So, And I talked to Pansy today. She, she's, she's 88 years old today. In about, yeah, yeah. In about 19 days, she's going to be 89. And, and, and this is what David said. I remember. I remember those days. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, you guys don't know, most of you don't know, she's been through some dark days. But if you talk to her, you know what she's going to say? You know why she walked down here and prayed? Because God is good. And God is faithful. And that's what David said. Even, wow, even in the wilderness, my son's trying to kill me. I've, I've, I've tried to kill my son, but he's never tried to kill me, right? And I think all of us, if we've walked with the Lord very often, we, sometimes we just need to look back and remember. God is good and God is faithful. We want to remember the last thing as we want to rejoice. Rejoice in God. 9, 10, and 11. But those who seek my life to destroy it shall go to the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for the jackals. But what is the declaration that King David, he's still, he's still referring to himself as a king. What does he say? But the king shall rejoice in God. Philippians 4.4 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say what? Rejoice. Here, here's the truth. We, we have to make a decision. I love the uh, Miss Patty Cake a few months ago came and she spoke and challenged and what she said was, make a choice to rejoice. Even in the wilderness, I'm going to seek God. I'm going to praise God. I'm going to remember the goodness and the faithfulness of God. And I'm going to rejoice. 
Why, how, how can I rejoice in, in the wilderness? One more passage of Scripture. Turn to Romans with me. Turn to Romans with me, okay? Romans chapter number 8. And Dave preached on two of these verses a few weeks ago. Romans chapter 8, verse 18 and 19. First week of October, I believe. Romans 8. And we're going to read a few verses. Romans 8, verse 18. This is Paul. Remember what, what all the sufferings Paul went through. Could we say Paul went through quite a few wildernesses, right? Paul went through the wilderness, man, often. Corinthians talks about, man, I was stoned and I was beaten and I was shipwrecked. And I mean, I was, I'll, I'll just read it. He was in the wilderness many times. But, but look what his testimony is. Verse 18, Romans 8. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the Lord, with the glory which shall be revealed in us. His eye was on eternity. This life is just temporary. And God's loving kindness is better than life. For the earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Look at verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? You need to remind yourself that every morning when you get up, right? The wilderness. Verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with us also freely give us all things? When we doubt in the wilderness, go back to this verse. God sent his son to pay the penalty of my sin debt. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, or wilderness, as it is written, for your sakes we are killed all the day long, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us in Christ. Verse 38, for I am persuaded neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. If you are in Christ, his loving kindness is better than what? Life. When you're in the wilderness, like David, make a choice to rejoice. I'm going to worship and how am I going to worship? I'm going to seek God with everything I have. I'm going to take my eyes off of my problems and I'm going to pursue Christ. Could you, guys, could you guys do that? Could I do that? I need to preach myself. I'm going to seek God. I'm going to praise God. Because his loving kindness is better than life. I'm going to remember his faithfulness. And maybe you don't have a long history with God. I would encourage you Talk to someone in the room that has had a long history with God. And they will tell you, God is good. God is faithful. And I'm going to choose to rejoice. Would you close your eyes for a moment this morning? Last week, I had you raise your hand if you were struggling And I'm not going to have you do that again this morning, but what I want to challenge you with this morning is, is maybe today 
you need to make a choice to rejoice. That like David, in the wilderness, you choose to worship. And if that's you this morning, you're going to make that choice. I choose to worship. I'm, I'm going to seek God. I'm going to praise God. I'm going to remember God's faithfulness, and I'm going to rejoice. I'm making a choice to rejoice right now today. If you're in the wilderness, and right now you're saying, John, I, I'm going to make a choice right now to rejoice. Would you just put your hand up for a moment? Just put your hand up right now. All right? You can put your hands down. How many would say, John, I'm not in a wilderness right now, but I'm still going to make a choice to rejoice. Would you put your hand up this morning? Okay, you can put them down. In a moment, we're going to stand. If you're going to make a decision today, I choose to worship even in the wilderness. I would encourage you to come down and talk to God about it. I know you can do it right there, but maybe you walking forward will be encouragement to someone else to do it. When I looked over and saw Elaine and Pansy walk down here, it blessed me, and I told them that. Come spend some time with the Lord. This morning, if, if today was your moment, today was the moment you found God and God found you, and earlier in our service when you, pr you prayed and you asked God and you gave your life to Christ, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you when we stand. I'll be down here. There'll be other men and women down here facing you. Come talk to us about it. God, we love you, and, and Lord, we acknowledge today that sometimes life is just, and there's no way to describe it except the wilderness. So Lord, I pray that for those in here this morning that, that are in the wilderness right now, that they would make this decision, Lord, to worship, to seek you. Lord, let us have a time of worship this morning through prayer and through responding to you and through song. We surrender it back to you, Lord. Would you stand with me this morning as we continue in worship? And again, I'm going to challenge you. Just come down and spend some time with, with the Lord in prayer. If you want to talk to one of us, we're right here. Just come shake our hand. Let us know you'd like to pray. If you want to pray in secret or alone, just come forward and pray. <coughs> But let's worship together this morning.